Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners, uh, you can support the show uh, by mailing in a donation to Adam Graham, P.O. Box 15913, Boise, Idaho, 83715. And you can also become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month at patreon.greatdetectives.net. Well, we have an episode of indictment for you. As I said, this one just came into circulation. Our original air date, December the 21st, 1958. And the title is, And Then There Was One. Indictment. A formal written charge of crime is the basis for trial of the accused. <laughs> you're about to hear is from New York City and is based on stories of the criminal law with authentic procedures as detailed by Eliezer Lipsky, former assistant district attorney of New York. It is the assistant district attorney who directs criminal investigations, assembles facts and witnesses, builds the case to a just indictment. Yes, Miss Levinson. A Mr. Dell, Wilbur Dell to see me. Dell, Dell. The attorney? Oh, yes, yes, the writer. Yeah, all right, send him down. Me and my big mouth. Now what? Oh, I got involved in a literary conversation at a cocktail party some time ago. A fellow there started flaring his nostrils and champing at the bit when I said I was an assistant DA. And you said, drop around the office someday when you're in the neighborhood. <laughs> well... Don't brush him off on me. <laughs> Writer. Sure. Come in. Well, hello, hello. Mr. Dell, I'd like you to meet Detective Tom Russo. Mr. Russo's attached to this bureau. I do. Uh, pleased to meet you, Mr. Dell. Uh, Mr. McCormick, I think uh, it, it, it can time. wait, Detective oh, Russo. It can wait. Yeah. Now, Mr. Dell, what can we do for you? Help me write the last chapter of my book. What? I just need a little information. Well, uh, a lot of information. About a crime of the torrid 20s. You see, in my book, I'm devoting a chapter to each aspect of American life in the 20s. I've got one I call The Man Who Walked Away. Judge Mountain. Right. Another I call The Day the Bottom Fell Out. Uh, Wall Street, Black Friday. Mm-hmm. And what's your title for the chapter on crime? And then there was one. And there was one. All right, I'll bite. One what? Detective Russo? I pass. Well, surely you haven't forgotten the two boys who killed Honey O'Keefe in their parents' penthouse. Larry Harder and Jack DeLessis, of course. Two signs of the department store dynasties. Brilliant youngsters with great careers ahead of them. Yeah, killing a 17-year-old waitress and dumping her in Staten Island. I don't, I don't get your title. And then there was one. I'm surprised at you. Harder died in jail. DeLessis is serving life. He's been in prison for 30 years. 
In a way, a parallel to that Leopold and Lope case. And you want access to the records. Well, as a citizen, you're entitled to them. Anything that isn't in the confidential file. Well, I thought that you, perhaps as an insider... Uh -huh. Even if it was a hundred years old. But I'll make everything you're entitled to available to you. Detective Russo will take you to the file room down the hall. Yes, but I thought, Mr. McCormick, that with your insider the the crime... The I... no. I don't like the idea. Why not? Why drag that up all over again? Why not let sleeping dogs lie? Is that what you think of a man who's been in prison from his 19th year to his 49th? A dog? Aren't you twisting my words? What purpose, beyond getting you and your publisher's royalties, what purpose will be served by dragging him through all that filth again? Hasn't the man suffered enough? You don't understand, Mr. McCormick. I'm going to get Jack to Lessup's out. Caught a nasty cold? Don't just sit around and suffer. Science has told us something wonderful to do for relief of distress. Today, scientists say to clear away most cold miseries, clear away congestion. Sinus congestion that causes headache. Nasal congestion that blocks breathing. Throat phlegm with its choking discomfort. Bronchial irritation that starts coughs. Yes, to clear away those cold miseries, clear away congestion. And today, there's a specialized new medicine designed to do that fast. Four-way liquid cough and cold medication. Taken as directed with the first dose. Feel sinus pressure and headache clear. Feel runny nose dry and open up. Breathe freely. Feel sore throat being soothed. Choking cough is eased. Yes, with four-way liquid, you clear away congestion and you clear away worst cold miseries. Working through the bloodstream, it reaches all those congested areas and works fast because it's liquid. So to clear away cold suffering, clear away congestion. Get new four-way liquid cough and cold medication. Only 98 cents. Well, Mr. Dell, so you're going to get the Lessips out of jail. My story is going to show that with today's knowledge of psychiatry, he would have been sent to an asylum for cure, returned to society as a useful individual, instead of having to rot in Danamora. Got it written already, huh? Well, that's not exactly fair, Mr. McCall. Do you have any idea what must happen before a prisoner can be released? And how little publicity has to do with it? I do. As for publicity, an aroused public can have absolutely no effect upon the parole system of the state of New York, upon the governor's right of pardon, upon the proper functioning of a system that's been set up to for... keep men in jail at society's expense. Detective Russo, show Mr. Dell to the hey, file. Moment, Detective Russo. Mr. McCormick, you spoke of the parole system. Now, tell me who... Division I... of Parole, 140 Hudson Avenue, Albany. You want to know anything about them? Go see them. I intend to. But if you could give me an inkling of the kind of people they are... Honest people. Hard-working public citizens working for peanuts at a responsible job. No, I mean, what kind of personalities are they? Are they psychiatrically oriented, or do they think strictly in penological terms? Oh. Is there any social work background or purely political, purely political... Well... I'm just going to tell you one thing about the parole commission. You can't get to them. Not with money, not with pressure, and certainly not with a chapter in a book. Not even when the entire book will set up the cynical, neurotic, hectic background against which Jack DeLessis found himself involved in the crime. I know, I know. Society is the criminal. No, Mr. Dell, it can't be done. 
Write all you want. Nobody's going to stand in your way. Settle for the bestseller list. Don't expect anything to, to come Jack DeLessup's way. Better men than you have tried and failed. You will, too. Like to bet? Well, Verdell. Mr. Dell, I have a message from the publisher. Quote, committee shaping up fine. Just got that senator. Hurry, revisions as suggested. Unquote. Thank you. Well, it's final on that radio and TV interview. Is there any chance of having Jack DeLessis on with you? Uh, you tell the network people DeLessis doesn't talk through anyone but me. Wilberdale. Dell, a report on syndication. 89 papers carrying the series entire, and 102 are taking the Gillespie's piece alone. How about that, huh? Fine, fine. Uh, will you do me a favor and see that a set of clips goes to Mr. Edward McCormick, Assistant District Attorney, Special Bureau, New York County. Turning it on for fair. You've been huh? twisting the knife. Hmm. He writes well, you have to admit that. Oh? Yeah, get a load of this. <clears throat> Three generations of criminals have passed Jack DeLassip's cell. Thirty years ago, the whisper would ask, That the kid who murdered the girl? Twenty years ago, the voices would say, He what? Oh, yeah, yeah, the girl. What was her name? Wasn't there another guy in on that? Ten years ago, the Lessops. Who he? Think it'll get him any place? Who? Dell or DeLessops? Both nowhere. I tell you, Tom, this is a different age. True. You can get the public excited about last night's crime, today's tragedy, the kid in the well, the corpse in the oil drum, today's news. But a 30-year-old murder? Yeah, but when it's like that one... There have uh... been a couple of more important murderers in the headlines since then, Tom. And people have forgotten about them, too. Don't want to read about them. Don't want to remember them. Who? Well, Schickel Gruber, Alois, alias Adolf Hitler. Dukashvili, Joseph, alias Joseph Stalin. To say nothing of hundreds of war criminals. The public doesn't care. When the war criminals get out? Don't you think they might care when a one-shot killer stays in? Special Bureau Russo. Mr. McCormick, please. Albany is calling. Uh, just a minute. Ed, on three. Albany. Albany. Mm -hmm. Roll board. McCormick. Uh, Mr. McCormick, this is Hayden Rock, Governor's Secretary. Yes, Mr. Rock. Uh, the governor just set a hearing for three months from date for Jack DeLessis. I see. Uh, just a minute, Mr. Rugg. Tom, they got to the governor. Go on, sir. I like the way you put things together down there. Uh, can you give us an informal report from the district attorney's point of view? Well, yes. Yes, I suppose I could do that. Three months from date, the hearing, who's going to appear? 
Uh, for the lessons? Uh, that writer Dell's got a high-powered committee of citizens together. Mm-hmm. They're putting the money from the book sale, syndication, radio and TV interviews, whatnot, uh, into the case. I see. Well, all right, Mr. Rugg. I'll get you a report as soon as I can. I'd better begin by going up to see the Lesseps myself. Now, how do you like that? I take it you don't. Now, wait a minute, Tom. You think I'm against the Lesseps? Well, looks like. You don't know me yet, huh? I'm not against anybody using the last ounce of legal tactics to get justice. Don't get me wrong. I've checked the records. I think the Lessop's got justice. But he's got a right to go to the governor. Why the blood pressure? Because I don't like a writer or anybody battening on the corpse of a helpless prisoner. That's why. If I thought he was helping the Lessop's fine, I'd be with him all the way. But look at this. Syndication, radio, TV, full-page ads, magazine pieces. The Lessers, the Lessers, the Lessers. It's becoming as well-known as, as what? As, as J.B. Crocker. All right, good enough. And the public got tired of that kind of stuff, too. But the serious danger is that it's pressure, Tom. It's all pressure. Makes it harder on the Lessers than silence. I wonder what he thinks. Well, that's why I'm going up to see him. <laughs> Strange. Hmm? Harder and the Lessers. The criminals of their time. I knew their names before I ever knew I'd study law, much less be a prosecutor. Harder and Belesseps, murder personified. And now there is one. Morning, Warden. Well, 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 Mr. McCormick, Mr. McCormick. Oh, don't leave, trustee. I was uh, going to get the Lessips warden. Oh, well, in a moment. Uh, just uh, sit down a second. Uh, right, right, right there. Yes, you recognize the trustee, McCormick? I certainly do. I sent him up three years ago, 20 to life. How's he doing? Fine. Do you remember anything else about him? Well, I can't say. I know he wasn't very bright. Some doubt he understood what was going on, as I recall. That's why the others went to the chair. Why do you ask? Well, you see. Uh, trustee, uh, come here. You, uh, remember Mr. McCormick? Oh, sure. Well, now, show him what you can do, trusty. Oh, what? Go on, now, trusty, here. Uh, use this. Open it anywhere and start right in. I have to? Go on, now. Just just open it up and let it rip. Oh, sure. Okay, yeah. All right, I'll uh, read from the 140th. <coughs> Deliver me, O Lord, from the evil man. Preserve me from the violent man, which imagine mischiefs in their heart continually. They are gathered together for war. They have... All right, all right, trustee. Now go bring in the lessons. Yes, sir. So, he reads, writes, figures, helps in the commissary. What are you trying to prove, Warden? What's it got to do with the Lessops? This man was illiterate. Oh, yes, I remember now. Well, nice going. We didn't teach him. Well, who then? You You mean the Lessops did? That's right. The Lessops has taught over 200 men to read and write since he's been here. Open new worlds for them. Hmm. He's a model prisoner. To me and my predecessors. Cooperative, intelligent, useful. He's remade men, McCormick. Remade them. How about himself? 
I sincerely believe. I take it you think he should be free. Should have a chance, yes. Now see for yourself. I'll leave you alone. Come in. Oh, Jack, this is uh, Mr. Edward McCormick, assistant district attorney. I'll leave you two alone. Just uh, push that buzzer when you're through, Mr. McCormick. All right. He is. McCormick, I live that case. 
Talk to everybody connected with it who's still alive. Lawyers, judges, police, schoolmates of the boy. Ah, everybody but the Lessops. Not my fault I couldn't get in. Be that as it may, he isn't human. Uh, look, one child is born deaf, another dumb, some blind, some with no hands, some with what have you, no, no sense of color, tone, pitch. What are you getting at, Ed? Just this. We understand physical deformation, physical lacunae, the lack of obvious normal attributes. What the lesser was born blind to love, hate, friendship, emotion. Is that why he laughed and joked during his trial? No, no. He told me, he told me the most shocking thing of all. He didn't laugh because he was cruel. He said he imitated the people around him. That's how he knew how to behave. They laughed, he laughed. No emotions. And this is the man, the monster I want to set free. Special Bureau, Ruto. Oddly enough, I was on your side for a while, too. All right. Until I met him. Yes, sir, I'll tell him. It actually didn't make any difference. Whether or not the governor will take my report into consideration. Yeah, Tom. Who was it? Albany. What's the word, Detective Russo? They turned him down. I wonder what did the trick. Obviously, your report. No, no, I'm not so sure. Maybe it was your reporting. Yeah, if we'd all left him alone and let justice take its course, maybe he'd have gotten out on a routine parole board application sooner or later. I goofed. I'd still have liked to see him, well, walk into the sunshine. Off the record, so would I. Tom. I don't know. You say, walk into the sunshine. Well, literary talk. No, no, you put it nicely. The trouble is, he'd still be cold. All the way through to the heart. Mr. Dell, you did a good job with merchandising. If you let me talk, writer talk. But the goods was no good. <clears throat> Give me a good, honest axe murderer every time. Orange Bowl and the Cotton Bowl games. From the Orange Bowl, 
CBS News sports experts will call the thrills in the Oklahoma-Syracuse contest. Syracuse will be making its second appearance at the Orange Bowl this year with an 8-1 record. Sporting a 9-1 record, Oklahoma will make its fourth appearance. And there'll be plenty of excitement at the Cotton Bowl, too, where Texas Christian will be battling it out with the Air Force Academy. The Texans have made it with an 8-2 this year, and the Air Force Academy is the Cinderella team of college football with nine wins, no losses, and one tie to date. No matter where you go, no matter what else you're doing on New Year's Day, here's CBS Radio's on-the-spot broadcast of the Orange Bowl and the Cotton Bowl games, exclusive on CBS Radio. Get it first. Get it right. The latest news on the CBS Radio Network. Welcome back. Well, this is an interesting uh, exploration of an issue that was uh, going on uh, at the time. And it has a definite viewpoint. In many ways, this could almost be seen as a counter to the Court of Last Resort, which we played in public domain video theater last year. Although I think the circumstances of this case isn't something that the Court of Last Resort uh, would typically deal with. For those of you who didn't watch the series, the Court of Last Resort was an organization founded by Earl Stanley Gardner with the goal of investigating uh, cases where there may have been an error, and if there was an error, uh, which they would determine through the use of a very uh, strong team of experts on this uh, court of last resort, this would be written about in a magazine, Argosy, and there would be efforts uh, by this organization to advocate and to build public consensus to do justice. That said, there were other movements and efforts to help prisoners going on at the same time. This case doesn't sound like something that the Court of Last Resort would typically get involved in, as they tended to help out people who were innocent, or where the evidence of guilt had been misinterpreted or misconstrued to such a degree that justice demanded a lighter sentence. Here we've got a writer uh, campaigning for a reduced sentence uh, due to uh, some advances in medicine and psychology. And that certainly would not have been unheard of. But I think that the view that McCormick would take would kind of go in an opposite direction from the Court of Last Resort. While the Court of Last Resort ultimately believes in appealing to the court of public opinion and getting people to bring pressure on the government. McCormick really believes in the parole board. He believes in his own office. And his belief is that well-intentioned efforts by the public bring pressure on what should be uh, impartial institutions, like a parole board, will turn to do more harm than good because the public may not understand all of the nuances of the case that the police and prosecutors understand. Now, doubtless there would be a rejoiner, and you could kind of go on for this debate. I'm not going to say whether Mr. McCormick is right or wrong, but I think that's the ultimate argument, and 
that's where these two different uh, sources from the 1950s come to two different uh, conclusions about what, you, uh, what is best. And with that in mind, it's, it is an interesting reveal when the person there that everybody's trying to get parole is kind of indifferent to it. Uh, though I, I do think it is kind of a weird world in indictment where the assistant district attorney has to, in effect, diffuse the situation by uh, diagnosing someone's uh, mental condition. It seems like if you were considering a parole in that instance, particularly when the argument was that he should have been... Uh, the the uh, man who was convicted should have been committed, it does seem like you would have some sort of um, me a mental health professional in order to make that uh, determination. But overall, I did think this was good. It, like I said, it definitely had an argument, and I think it did a fairly good job representing its side in the argument. Now, a note on the next couple of weeks' programs. Uh, we are going to bring you episodes of indictment that were turned into episodes of uh, suspense. Uh, so that will be on tap for the next couple of weeks. As I mentioned on a previous podcast... Uh, that's not really anything newly circulated. It's just I did not know that they did a uh, suspense version of these scripts. So uh, we will play those over the next couple of Saturdays. Now I do want to go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you so much to Ron. Ron's been one of our Patreon supporters since May. Currently supporting us at the Detective Sergeant level of $7.14 or more per month. Thanks so much for your support, Ron. And that will do it for today. Join us back here on Monday for Crime Photographer. And we will be back uh, next Saturday with an episode of Suspense based on an indictment script. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.